I'm Bill Hauser, born in Chamberlain, South Dakota, and came here when I was six months old in 1956. So I was 16 when the flood hit. And the background of the story actually starts in the morning of the flood for me. I worked nights at Black Hills Standard, across from Bacon Park in the corner of Mountain View and Main Street. Get up on top of Hangman's Rock and look down and look smack dab in the middle of the flow. So um, working down there at night, that morning, a Friday morning, I had bought a car, so we went to pick it up. Friend Roger takes me down to pick this car up downtown at the Triumph dealership. It's a 67 Chevelle Malibu. Kids, hot rod dream. Looks brand new, seven years old. He's going to drop me off. I'm going to drive home. So he's following me, and the clutch rod breaks. And so I can't use the clutch anymore. And it was across the street from what was then the Indian Museum at MG Oil. So we parked there, called the guy, and he says, I'll bring it up. I'll, I'll get it, fix the clutch drop it off at Black Hill Standard for you. And then I can pick it up and I go to work the next night, or that very night. So my car is sitting at Black Hill Standard. I go to bed and get up, and it's raining like crazy. And I've got this new car, and my mom wants to see it. So my dad's going to take me down, who worked part-time at the same gas station. So he loads my mom up in his pickup, and we... She takes me to work, so my mom loved old Chevy cars. So she wants to wasn't old at that time. She wants to see my new car, so she's down there, and I think I started working at six that night. So he stays there for some reason. It's raining like mad, but after a while, cars are coming in and their distributors are wet and they won't start again. So we're pushing these cars into the stalls, drying these distributors up after we filled them with gas, and. I don't know how many he did, five or six of these things. So they'd get fired up and leave driving downstream. That, that's the way they're going. And, mm-hmm. I mean, there's water in the street. There's a low spot there on Mountain View, but we're up a little bit high, so we're not in any water yet. It's not. It's just wet concrete. This van pulls in that's got seven kids from Black Hills Workshop from about 10 years to 16 years old. And he can't get this van started. So we're milling around there, and this water is coming over the curb. Now it's getting onto the concrete, and I'm still pumping gas. And people are coming in saying, we think we just lost our home. I was like, what? Yeah, he says, we're pulling away from, which is now Chapel Valley. He says, yeah, the, we think we saw our house cave in or something happened. One guy says, I think I saw the water come over the bridge just as I'm leaving up at the base of Canyon Lake where the creek comes in, the water came over that bridge? I said, you're kidding me. So I go in and I'm telling my dad this stuff. Black Hills Power and Light's coming in with these great big trucks. Well, there's only one. Uh, tires that are four foot tall. And the driver's sitting up there six feet you know, or so. And he's saying, you know, it doesn't look good. So uh, they come and go a few times. And they're, they're saying that we think the dam's going to break. And it's like, the dam's going to break? How can that happen? As the water gets deeper, this car comes up Main Street and is going to turn up Mountain View, and there's water coming that way, and he, the water hits the car and does this rooster tail over this car, and nobody gets out. And I said, Dad, i got to go out there and see if I can help those people get out of that car. And by that time, now there's a car coming backwards down Mountain View Road, past Bacon Park. There was a mobile station on the 
same parking lot across the street is a high-tech Conoco station. Back then, they didn't have computers on cars, but they did fantastic tune-ups. There's eight stalls in this thing, mm. all this new electronic equipment. My friend Mike is across the street working. My friend Mark, high school people, is in uh, the donut shop right next door. So these people are, are just staying. You know, Mark is just over there eating donuts. Why is he staying at the donut shop, you know? <laughs> Who knows? And I run out to this car, and as, I, as I'm as i going out there, the water is up to my knees, and I step off the curb. Now it's thigh deep already. And it's like there's still kind of some cars milling around, I thought. And this rooster tail of this water is going in this car, and I can't get to it. Right then, a big roll of tar paper hits me. And I've got this long raincoat on that goes down to my ankles, which is pertinent for later on. And this thing is, you know, I'm getting kind of tangled up in this coat, and I'm just soaking wet now. I mean, I'm almost swimming. This thing. roll of tar paper hits me and almost knocks me over, and I can't hardly get back up on the curb. And it's like all of a sudden this water is deep. So I go back up into the station, which is now uphill. Couldn't even tell that when we're working there. I get up to the station. and said, Dad, nobody got out of that car. Those people are still in that car out there. What's going to happen? I don't know. So we see other cars floating by, and I think I see a guy, a friend that had a 65 Ford Falcon. I said, that looks like Ron on the back of his trunk floating towards the end of the creek. I mean, it's going to hit M Hill and then go, there's just more water down there. What's he going to do? He said, no. Pretty soon a couple more cars float down. I was like, what should we do? I don't know. So there's about 10 people actually in the gas station, and they're wondering what to do, and the water's starting to get into the station. And when I get out farther, you know, it gets deeper because it's going downhill. And I go around the back of the gas station. There's just tires and stacked up with rims, and they're stacked up about eight foot. And I was like, how did my boss get those up there? Tough guy, I guess. And so I get on top of the dumpster, and I'm going to jump over and call up these tires because I'm fit. I'm 16 years old. I've been lifting weights and hiking and biking and doing rock climbing. And so I think I can do this, but my mom is there. And then we've got all these kids, 10 to 16 years old, they aren't going to be able to get on this roof. And so I go back down and I said, Dad, what do we do? And there's we had a government contract of changing oil on government cars. And they were off on the, would be the west side of the gas station. And all night long, those two cars, along with one of my bosses, 55 Chevy, which was just, it was pink and black and four-door and just wasn't worth anything. You know, so you used it as a loaner car. Mm. Back then it was a you know, it was 18 years old or something like that. So, you know, it wasn't worth much. And these cars just sat there and spun in a circle. I just saw a picture on TV last night looking south up, you know, be south looking at that Mountain View Road, and there sits one of those trucks. And you go, like, yep, that's one of those trucks we used to change oil in. And I can remember that all these years. But why they didn't wash away, who knows? But about that time, my dad says, we're still up high enough to where he says, you better take my truck and your car and park it over at the donut shop. They're not, they don't have any water yet. It's still concrete over there. Hmm. It's like, you're kidding me. There's that much uphill there. So we park those cars over there, come back, and my dad says, let's go over to the donut shop. We'll take two people at a time, walk over there, and I grab this little girl. She's about 10 years old. I can still see the this nice brown curly hair, but she's mentally handicapped. I don't think she says a word the whole time. So we, I grab her hand, grab my mom's hand, and then my dad is downstream. So as we're walking across the, there's, you know, foot of water there. As we get around the station, this all of a sudden, it's it, kind of going uphill, but this water is getting deeper all of a sudden. 
And all of a sudden, it was like another six, eight inches. You never saw a wall of water. Just It just rose up. Uh, and it's like, this is hard to handle. And my car starts floating away. My, my brand new 67 Chevelle. So I run over there, probably 30, 40 feet, and grab a hold of the bumper. And I can't stop this thing. And my dad's yelling, come back. You can't stop it. So I come back, grab that little girl's hand. And all of a sudden, that water is crotch deep to me. Well, she's over a foot shorter than I am. So it's pretty deep for her. Across the alley, behind Black Hill Standard, there was a woven fence, or one by eights or tens. You put in three posts, and then there's, you nail the board in the, the front of one, and it goes behind the next, and then it goes in front of the other one, and then you do the opposite as it goes up. So here's this woven fence, six foot tall for privacy, and there's a yellow two-story house behind that, and then the Hickory House restaurant. And this yellow house all of a sudden starts coming around the corner. I'm just like, what? <laughs> there's, that house is moving, Dad. It's like, that is crazy. And that, all of a sudden, again, this water just raises up, and I can't hold on any longer. I, I can't stop me floating down or being pushed downstream. And I've got this little girl by the hand, and I'm afraid I'm going to pull her with me. And I've got this rain, long raincoat on, and I'm kind of tripping and getting tangled up in this thing. And here comes this house just groaning and creaking and scraping along the concrete. And we're saying, wow. And, and I get pulled around. To my mom and dad, we're, now we're all facing backwards. The flow is behind us now. And I, I let go because I think I'm going to not hold on to this girl and pull her with me, thinking, not even thinking, well, it's going to get her too. And I, it just pushes me under. And I'm tumbling under the water, head over heel, side to side, and I'm tangling up in this coat. And I'm thinking, I swim in these Black Hill streams all the time, just point downhill. Till that coat gets straightened out. So I swim downstream. Sure enough, it works. It gets straight. And But I stand up and it's like, well, it's not pushing me anymore. Where is everybody else? For some reason, I can still see. I can see the house. I can see Mr. Donut. I can see the conical station. And I can look across. I can see the mobile station. And there's a bus sitting there, which later we find out there's kids in this bus. They tied their shirts on the window brackets or the posts. They tie their shirts on it because they're washing out of this thing, I guess. I don't know if it was inside or outside, but they held on to their shirts, tied on to these things. I don't know how many kids there was, six to 18 kids, who knows. So anyway, when I stand back up, nobody's around, and I see my mom and dad pop up. They're still holding hands, and they smash against that house. It's now floated down far enough, and they're like, well, they're all downstream. How did they get downstream faster than I did? I better swim over to them. Because they can't swim. They always said all my life, they can't swim. So I swim over there, and they're nowhere around. So I get around the side of that house, the end of the house, and it seems like it's calmer water. And all of a sudden, here, a little girl pops up. She stands up just two feet away from me. I was like, wow. And so the house now, we're downstream from this house somehow. And there's a telephone pole in the gutter, basically. There must have been some kind of a little curb, and there must have been a little flat spot there, but this Telephone pole is down in there, and there's a stop sign up, speed limit sign up there quite a ways, which afterwards we go to reach this thing, barely touch the bottom of that sign. And so I've got this raincoat on still, and I tell that little girl, hold on to this telephone pole down here. I look around, pretty soon my mom stands up. I said, well, hold on to this telephone pole. This cow is this house every once in a while. I go creak and scrape, and it's getting a little bit closer, but it's, for some reason it's still... How did we get so far down? I 
don't have any idea. I must have thought I can't get around the sides of this thing. There's got to be a door somewhere, but there was no window on that end, I don't think. So hold on to this pole. Then we're standing there holding on to this pole, and pretty soon that water starts surging. My dad pops up, and we're trying to hold on to this pole. He He's floating by. Now, this guy was a farm boy that had, he always threw hay bales as a kid. He was so strong, the Army denied him entrance because he was muscle-bound. It's like, muscle-bound? What does that mean? I'm really not sure. Just so strong and like muscle cramps. Okay. So anyway, this guy, my dad, grabs a hold of that coat, and it jerks him down. And I'm luckily holding on around that pole, holding my hands around this pole. So is my mom and that little girl. Never did know her name. So he's flapping like a flag in the wind behind me, holding this coat. And what seems like for an hour, he cannot pull himself up. That's why the emphasis on he was strong and how strong that current was. If I wouldn't have been able to be holding my hands around that pole, I would have slipped off. And I'm getting tired. It must have been 10 minutes later probably. And he's saying, you know, I'm going to have to let go. And he can't pull himself. He can't pull himself up that coat because that current is so strong. So we finally get so scared, the adrenaline rushes. And I said, Dad, you can't let go. You'll drown. There's nothing down there but just more water. So it scares us enough. We just pull with all our might. Get him up there, and we're all hanging onto this pole. All of a sudden, that water gets deeper and surges harder, and we're all just moaning and groaning. I don't remember. I hear later that yeah, they heard our screams. Well, I'm pretty sure my mom was screaming and yelling for help, and I think I finally said, Mom, you hurt my ears. Nobody can come and help us right now, so please don't scream. And I think she quit. But so anyway, we're holding onto this pole and that torrent was so hard and we're just moaning and groaning, hanging onto that pole. And now we can't barely touch the bottom of that speed limit sign. And that water is starting to rise up. It's like, how are we going to hang onto this thing if it gets deeper? Well, all of a sudden you hear this crash, crunch. And it's like, what is, what do I feel here? And I get up and it's that red woven fence has come out and hung up on that telephone pole. So we climb up on this thing, except my mom. So we're up there now to where we can grab the top of this sign. So what is that, 18 inches tall? So we're up 18 inches, but that water is starting to come up and it's surging real hard and my mom is stuck. She's pinned against the pole with that fence. It's kind of hurting, but not as bad as you'd think. But she said, I just can't pull my leg out. And this water's getting deeper. And by that time, you know, us three are safe up there. But my mom's face is just her mouth and nose and eyes are sticking above the water. And she, if that water gets any deeper, she's going to drown right there. Being 16 years old, I'm not even afraid of this whole thing. You know, it's not dawning on me, really, anymore. I'm not, for some reason, I don't remember really fearing. And, and I, I would now. <laughs> and now I'm an adult. And, you know, the water starts getting deep. I get nervous. So I'm diving under there trying to pull this fence, and I can't see underwater, but when I'd pop up and I'd say, you know, I could see the donut shop, I could see that house, I could see the conical station. It's like, where's this light coming from? Heard on TV last night, the firemen were shooting these flares because the sky was orange. That must have been enough for us to see way up there, but there was no firemen around us. We're in the middle of, a, right now it's like the middle of a big river. So I, I don't know, about the third time I pull this fence and she gets her leg free. Thank God, because it gets deeper. We're up on top of that fence, hanging onto the top of this sign or around that pole. But I remember hanging on the top of that sign, and that water is armpit deep. That little girl would have drowned if she hadn't, if that fence hadn't come along. So we're all standing on that fence, 
must have been two hours. And that surge would come and go and come and go that whole time. And finally it starts letting down. And we're afraid to try to get to that house because what if we get halfway there and the surge comes again? So we wait till it's about knee deep and something like that. After being really tired, I mean, we're just so f- soaked and the mud is just caked in our ears and everything. And it's like, God, this is terrible. But uh, we get off that fence and my dad walks to the house. It's still like 30 feet away, but that whole time it was creeping closer and closer. He gets around the corner and it's like, is he coming back? <laughs> and pretty soon he comes back and he says, yeah, I got in the house. Come on, we can get in there. So we all march over there and it's raised up a little bit. So I have to help that little girl in, help my mom get in and then hop up in there. And when I get in there, there's this guy sitting on the couch with a pot of coffee in his hand and a cup. And he says, want a cup of coffee? I was like, <laughs> I don't drink coffee, especially when it's cold. And I look over and there's this axe sitting against the counter. It's an open living room and kitchen, kind of narrow house, and uh, even though it's two stories. And I look up and he says, I poked that hole in the ceiling with this axe. Just as I unplugged the coffee, the house took off. So I poked this hole in the roof and climbed up in there with my coffee and my cup and drank coffee. And I could hear you guys screaming and hollering. He says, when it kind of died down, I didn't know what had happened. And he never did come out. He couldn't see us, actually, because we couldn't see the door when my dad went in. So he, he rode that house along until it stopped and, and, it, and the water went down. We must have sat in there 20, 25 minutes. The water went way down. And a fireman shows up, knocks on the door, and says, you know, tie us all together and get out of here. And the first thing we see is like a... 60-some Ford Maverick, I think it was, upside down with the door open and the dome light is still on. And said, is anybody died in this thing? And he says, well, we know for sure four or six, I can't remember the number he said, four or six people have died. Oh, I just couldn't believe it. Four or six people. And he says, I'm sure we'll find more. He says, my buddy, we came in twos and he's got the rest of those people that were in the gas station. And they had tied them all together and we go over to Gill's Sun Inn and we go in there and everybody's up. Emergency lights are on and, and it's, was it 2.30 or 3.30 in the morning by now? I think it's somewhere close to 3 or 3.30 by now. And they're all up waiting. People are coming in being rescued and this old guy from somewhere in Kentucky, I think, he comes over and he says, I've got a set of dry clothes, shoes, socks, underwear, everything. You can go take a shower and change into these clothes. Well, I get in there, and there is dirt underneath my fingernails. It's in the, the points of my eyeball sockets, whatever. I notice that it, there's just dirt everywhere. It's even in the lifeline on my hand, and there's just this packed silt in those lines. And it's like, you're kidding me. This not going away. And, you know, look in there. But the, the silt is just everywhere. It's in my mouth. I didn't even notice that until I get in the shower and... Took off my shoes and socks and my thumb and all my nails. I just got that silt packed everywhere. And it's like, amazing. And so that was later on. It's like, oh, what were the people they found? Like, it was just, that silt was just amazing. So that morning when the sun come up, somebody had a camper. And I got in the back of the camper and my mom and dad got in the front of this thing. And he takes us home somehow. I don't know how we got through town. I thought we went out I-90 boulevard whatever to i-90 and back around to south canyon somehow but i remember looking out that window seeing just debris and cars turned over and houses against 
bridge or something. It's like, what a mess. I think we came back Sunday. We didn't come back Saturday because it was Saturday morning when we got home. When I went to bed, that was my normal sleeping hours. And we'd come back Sunday and start shoveling mud. And that line of the mud was over three foot inside the building. But when we were down in that dip, that water must have been over six foot down. It must have just been this constant swell or something there. Because, like I said, I was on the top hanging on to that speed limit sign. And before, I could barely reach up and top, touch the bottom. I, how deep that water got there, it's, just, it's unbelievable. So found my car. The next day, somebody come by and says, your car is sitting by the gas pumps where I think it's uh, Fisher Furniture now. He's a big gas station. He was parked up against that. We towed that home and didn't have a day to get insurance. I'm making $1.75 an hour. It cost 1250 bucks. This car did. It was like, wow, how am I going to pay for this thing? I need. I still had an old pickup. My dad's insurance pulled through a month later. Uh, they said he did. He's a minor and didn't have time to get insurance, so they covered it. And I lost fifty bucks. Washed that car. Took every nut and bolt I could out of that car, and, except motor and transmission. You know, I washed and washed and never could get all that mud out of there. My dad's truck never left. It just sat there and spun in a circle by the donut shop. My car crashed through the windows of the donut shop, cutting my friend Mark's foot. He says, your car came through there, cut that, broke that glass, and went, sliced my foot. Sorry, Mark. <laughs> and uh, his truck had the transmission blow out twice. And the third time, they just said, no, we'll put in a transmission. So people were, they lost all kinds of money that we don't know, the people that actually drove their cars away. And stuff that were just ruined. My dad takes the insurance money, goes to Sioux Falls on a business trip, comes back with a 67 GTO convertible. Wow, less money than the Chevelle, which now those cars are worth what, $40,000, $50,000, those GTOs in that range. But the rest of the summer, worked nights, and don't remember the cleanup, just the, the stories I've heard later. It's just amazing how many people and how much money was in this area. And I was just a kid. It was just an adventure for me. My mom had a nervous breakdown, went back to Chamberlain, South Dakota, where she was raised, and spent six weeks there. And uh, I think that's about the end. There's other details that are kind of slipping away and I don't remember everything. The guy that the, had turned the corner in this rooster tail of water that come over that car, we shoveled for a week trying to get mud out of that station and uh, putting it out on the driveway, and a truck would come by and plow it, pick it up or something. I don't remember what happened to mud, but somebody would come and get rid of it. I'm working night shift, but he comes, talks to my dad, and says my wife was instantly sucked out of that car and drove. Oh, even before I got out there, she was already gone. And a week later, there was this rumor that Pactola had broken. Because there was another storm. There was another storm, right. And they said the dam could break. Not that it has been broken. The dam's going to break. And some guy's driving his truck and screaming. this, driving around in that center area of Bacon Park telling this. So we all leave and go back home, you know, scared to death now. But I remember nothing happened. But come back the next night, Sunday night, my boss gives me a baseball bat and an axe and says, if anybody tries to rob you, use these. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> They're going to get whatever's left. You know, I'm not going to. But that scared me enough. To, I would watch over to Bacon Park. I could look up to see Haggerty's yet. And no lights there yet. And there's people coming in and out of those stores hauling with their armloads of stuff. Mm. Um, Tom Haggerty said that there wasn't any merchandise left in his store, but you know, what these people were getting. But I remember seeing 
few, not very many people. And then I'd look at that bat and that axe and say, oh, man, if those guys come over here, I'm probably running the other way. And, uh, yeah, that never happened. But, you know, there was some looting going on anyway. I don't, don't hear much about that, I guess. But I think that's the end of my story.